problems don't magically go away when the calendar rolls over, but I don't know of a single person, myself included, that won't be happy to see this last year in the rearview mirror. Or, or am I, that just all in my head? Yeah, 2020 has been kind of a mess. Everybody's kind of glad it's coming to an end. It's been a really rough year for a lot of people. But then there's also the Christmas season, right? It's here. And it's, it's time to sing and light candles and, 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 and talk about baby Jesus in a manger, right? Christmas season is here, whether you really like it or not. And, and, and it's, it's supposed to be this time of year that's the half happiest season of all. Isn't that kind of a hard pill to swallow right now? Either because you know, your year has been a nightmare and you have a lot of really good reasons to think that any kind of celebration right now is totally out of bounds. Like, what are you doing? How dare you strike up the harp and join the chorus right now? Either that's the game you're playing and, and trying to wade through right now, or, or maybe you're, you're another type of person that's trying desperately to double down on those things and fake it till you make it, but the world just kind of keeps kicking your plans in the tail. So you, you kind of find yourself in, in one category or the other. And so Christmas is just here. you got to deal with it. And so, and so what we're left with is a, is a Christmas that, that not only no one expected, but maybe some of you, you don't even want it. There's that in my head as well. Yeah, this is definitely the Christmas we didn't expect. Good plans have been shattered. Massive questions remain unanswered. You're trying your best to, 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 to make some of your, your traditions stick, but they just don't hit the same this year, and, and that's if they're happening at all. It's an awkward time to try to be celebrating something. So what do you do with Christmas this year? What do you do with it? Like, have our options actually been reduced to either rejecting it because of our problems or pretending like our problems don't exist? Because that's, that's typically what I see, at least in my own heart, but definitely in, in, in the culture at large. Either act like our problems are, are the biggest problems that have ever been faced or pretend our problems aren't problems at all. Are those the only choices we actually have available? And, and the more I think about it, the more I don't think so. Um, it's been my working theory this, this past month that, that God's people have actually been here before. Not, not in some global pandemic. That's obviously happened at other times in history. But I mean, I mean the chaos part, the, the massive unanswered questions and the, the great frustration over this thing not happening and that thing not happening, uh, the, the, the swirl of awkwardness and confusion and unmet expectations. I think God's people have been here before. In fact, I think I can even make the argument that that's, that's kind of the normal that God's people walked in. It's actually their version of normal. And the, and the more that I read the stories that make up the Christmas narrative, the more convinced I am that not only are they at home in the chaos, but God always seems to use that very chaos to get them where they need to be. And even in the middle of that chaos, he does something that's way better than what their puny little expectations ever were. 
And I think that's as clearly seen as anywhere else in the Christmas narrative as it is in the story that we're all most familiar with. Luke chapter 2. If you have a copy of God's Word, join me there. I think it'll be up on the screen if you're watching us at, at home. Luke chapter 2, it's a story we all know and love. Maybe you can recite it because you watched a uh, Charlie Brown movie one time. Verse 1 says this, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. Yeah, that's all one sentence. Verse 6, And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. Verse 8, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And and an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Verse 15, And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste. And they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. When they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. So, do you think that Mary and Joseph had some expectations going into the birth of their son? You think they started daydreaming about some things and figuring out some plans and Uh, Maybe put a nursery together, whatever that looked like in the first century Judean world. I think they had some expectations about some stuff. Brand new parents getting ready for the arrival of this promised child. And now they got to deal with some government overreach. A census is taking place and they got to go to Bethlehem for it. Upended all those plans. They, they got to travel. They don't want to be on the road right now. It's not a good season to be on the road, but they, they got to be on the road because, you know, Caesar says so. What's worse is everybody else is traveling during this time, so there's no space for them in the guest room. And so the assumption is that they post up where the animals sleep, but, but then it's go time, right? While they're there, 
It's time for the baby to come. He's, he's here. And, and, and those of you who have kids, like, like, do you remember that moment for you when, when it was time to hit the go button? Like, excitement built and built and built so much to, to the point that you probably couldn't think straight and, and you probably couldn't process all the things that you needed to process. And so there's this elevated excitement that's just, that's just palpable and buzzing, right? Can you imagine that moment for them? So they child is born. What an incredible moment. And, and they, they wrap him in, in swaddling cloths like you would do for any other baby during that time period and you would do for a baby today. Incredibly common thing. He's, he's like us in a lot of ways. They, they wrap him in swaddling cloths and they lay him in a manger. We've come to use that word for a cute little thing, but it's an elevated feeding trough. That's all it is. It probably, probably wasn't even cleaned out all that well. They lay him in a manger. Like, why would you, why would you do such a thing, right? It's because it's what they had. It's what they had. Oh, but surely Christ, the Christ child, he, he deserved more than that, right? Surely the Christ child deserved some comfort. Surely he deserved maybe even a little bit of luxury, right? Like surely we could get Jesus that kind of level of comfort. Sweet maybe Jesus, man. Like a manger? Are you serious right now? Yeah, he probably did deserve something better than that. But that's what they had. So either A... That's some kind of gross malpractice by Mary and Joseph. Or B, that is precisely where the God of the universe chose to make his grand public appearance. I think we ought to go with option B. I think we probably ought to go with option B, right? Why, why, why would he choose to come that way? Why, why would that be on purpose? Well, the Bible teaches that he came of humble estate so that he could be a perfectly empathetic savior to those of humble estate. Or we could say that a different way. He can represent us because he is truly like us. Without that, he's just some faraway king who doesn't get it. But he's like us. He knows what it's like. Expectations may have been shattered that night, but you know what's way better than their silly little expectations? A cosmic God who actually understands you. It's a much better offer than whatever they were dreaming up beforehand. He knows. God's plan that night was infinitely better than any puny man-made expectations. It outclasses it in every single category. Cut to scene two. Off outside of town, shepherds are hanging out on a hillside doing their own thing. And they might not have planned much for that night. At most, it probably was supposed to just be a sleepy little night. But I guarantee what they ended up getting was not what they expected, right? The sky explodes with the angelic announcement of the Messiah's arrival. Just a little bit of a deal. First, one angel shows up by himself. He's got to tell him, no, 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 I'm not here to kill you. All right? You're, this is good news time. 
First, one angel shows up, but then a heavenly angel chorus bursts onto the scene. Called a multitude of the heavenly hosts. In other words, a giant army of angels. If one's enough to terrify you to death, what do you think the sky full of them is going to do? You don't get excited in that moment. You hope your heart doesn't stop in that moment. What a grand announcement, right? Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth among those with whom he is pleased. What an announcement. An angel chorus for the newborn king. But, but why shepherds, though? That seems like a little bit of a waste of an angel choir, right? It's just them hanging out on a hillside. Everybody else in town's off asleep. Probably could have sold tickets to that. Raise the money for a good cause. Why shepherds? I mean, they haven't earned their way into that moment. Not even a little bit. If anything, there's a whole long list of reasons why it shouldn't be them. Why they shouldn't be the ones picked to to receive this grand announcement. I mean, you're going to taint the message if it passes through the disreputable like that. You think when they went into town the next day and told that story, people believed them? Probably told them to stop drinking so much. What are you doing on that hillside overnight? So either A, the angels don't know what they're doing, maybe need a better PR director, choose some better folks, or B, the shepherds are precisely who God wanted to share that news with. They're precisely who God wanted to be first in line to hear about the newborn king. So why did God choose the shepherds first? Well, the Bible teaches that God's kingdom is subversive to all the kingdoms of this world, that it's intentionally upside down from what the rest of the world chases after and values and puts up on the pedestal. It's upside down on purpose. God's plan that night was was to show some of that off by elevating those that the world would never dare to elevate. It's by design. I don't know if you ever really thought through the implications of that or not. That's really, really good news for us because I'm looking around. We all look more like shepherds than kings. I know what goes on in my house. I'm more likely in the shepherd category. Expectations may have been shattered that night, but you know what's way better than those expectations? A God who never and will never be distracted by pretense and what lesser kingdoms think is good and right. He will do what is good. He will do what brings the most glory. Always. God's plan that night was infinitely better than any puny man-made expectation. Full stop. Cut to scene three. These now exalted shepherds come running to find the baby. <laughs> I mean, how could they not, right? Like, you can't, you can't be witness to that kind of announcement and just sit there. 
It spurs you to action. So they rush around town. They finally make it into the door. They rushed in, complete strangers to this young family, and they tell the story of what God had done on a hillside. Mary and Joseph have had their own thing going on. They've been busy with more important stuff even, and, but they're excited to hear the story of the shepherds. And Luke tells us that upon hearing the news of what they got to see, everyone marveled. And they worshiped. Oh, what a night. You wish you could have been there? I, I kind of wish I, could, I was there. I mean, if I'm going to be in the category of shepherd, could I at least have been one? Fly on the wall, something, man. I, and I really wish that I got to be a part of that night. What a night. But then right after that, in verse 20, we're told that the shepherds went home. It's kind of over. There's no, hey, let's, let's, let's take this thing to the papers. There was no press brief file. There was no phone tree. There was no mass mailer. No public event was scheduled to show off the Christ child to the crowd. They worshiped. And then they returned home forever changed by what they saw. It's mostly quiet. But why, though? Why, why was it mostly quiet? Why, why wouldn't God want that news to go out as fast as possible to as many people as possible? Surely that's the better way to spread the news and make it go forward, right? I mean, maybe God and I should sit down and, and I can help him figure out how to disseminate information like this. I feel like I'm, I'm better at it than he is. And so either A... God's not as motivated as may, he maybe ought to with you know, sending that information out with this life-changing news, or B, the, the way the shepherds' lives were changed is precisely what he was aiming at. It was quiet on purpose. One by one, seeing, marveling, Worshiping, forever changed by him. One by one, seeing, marveling, worshiping, forever changed.
This is for certain the Christmas that no one expected. No one, no one doubts that. But church family, neither was the first one. Not even close. Expectations flew out the window quickly. And yet God did something that blew their expectations out of the water. What God did that night in front of a tiny audience in a tiny little town that nobody cares about forever changed the world. Forever changed this place. Maybe you lost some important things this year. Me too. Me too. But what if God's doing something better? What if he's doing something way better? Sing with me. Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright, round young virgin mother Holy infant so tender and mild, sleep.